0: back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Becca Freeman.
1: And I'm Grace Atwood.
0: And today we're talking all about how to be more sustainable going into 2021.
1: Yes, we have my old social media for Bobble bar intern, Zoe. Well, Azora Zoe Packnod. We called her Zoe when she worked for us. And she's just the best. It's so fun to watch somebody that you knew from like their early, early days. It makes me feel a little bit old going on to launch her own amazing business. like It makes my heart really fall.
0: Before we get to that, this episode is sponsored by Night, the makers of our all-time favorite pillow and face mask. And if one of your resolutions is to get better sleep, you need to check them out. We'll tell you more about it later in the episode, and you can take 20% off with code BOP20 at discoverknight.com.
1: So Becca, how yes. are you doing?
0: I'm doing well. I'm doing very well. I'm I'm feeling very good now that we are solidly in January. I feel productive. I feel in control of my calendar.
1: I That's feel a good creative.
0: Feeling. Mm-hmm. I feel motivated. Like, I'm feeling good across the board. And I, this is preemptive. We're recording this on Friday, but I'm also feeling very joyful about having a new president and not to rub. That in for anyone who voted a different way, but um, I just feel
1: very excited. I'm rubbing it in. No, just kidding. <laughs> I,
0: I feel very excited, especially given how long the pandemic has dragged on. To have you know somebody new in charge of that plan, and um, yeah, I'm I'm excited to turn the page.
1: I am too. It gives me a lot of hope.
0: Me too. Me yeah. too. So that's feeling like just like a, a weight lifted.
1: Yeah, I agree. What about you? What's your high? Well, as so it's funny because I got a lot of people being like, why didn't you talk about it on the podcast last week? And I I decided this past Tuesday Tuesday night night. at like 11, I was like, I'm just going to slide my big news into a um, blog post because I don't know, just like announcing it felt so dramatic. But as you know, I am moving to Charleston in April.
0: I know, I'm so I'm happy for you, I'm sad for me. I'm holding both feelings.
1: Yeah. I mean I'm really sad. Like people have been like, Oh, you must be so sad to be back in New York and I'm not. Like, I love it here, but I just feel like the next step, I'm ready for that. And New York's always gonna feel like home to me. I'm gonna come back a lot once we're allowed to and it's safe. But I'm ready. I'm excited.
0: Also, I I was getting a lot of concerned (laughs) DMs and comments about whether The podcast will continue yes and (laughs) yes it totally will and when grace was in charleston in december
1: we recorded three episodes four episodes i think yeah i can't remember i think four because we took two weeks off and i was there for six weeks
0: yeah so um we will continue to record remotely and grace will get some new tech gear that she has to learn how to use Uh so that the
1: quality is still becca does all our tech stuff it's not my strong suit
0: um and yeah, I'm, I'm even more excited to have the podcast cuz that means I have like a weekly very solid catch up with you.
1: Yeah. So I think it'll be fun. Next steps and change are very scary. Like I am such a change averse person, but you have to go with your gut. And I, I my gut's telling me that this is it's time.
0: Change is great. Yeah. I like change. I don't. <laughs> I'm whatever the opposite of a change averse person is.
1: Oh, see, I don't like change. I like to like be in my little bubble and have it stay the same.
0: <laughs> I think I have more anxiety around the deciding part, but once I've decided, I'm very excited.
1: That's how I feel right now. I um I had so much anxiety about telling people. Like I was back for almost a full week before I told anyone. And I was like holding that secret in, like before I told my close friends, like you and Alex, like I was just having a lot of anxiety about sharing it and having those sadder conversations. So I kept it in, but that just made it worse. So, yeah, it's happening. Now it's out in the open. It's op- out in the open and I'm entering that excitement phase. Like, I I told you this earlier, but I was DMing with Erin Gates from Elements of Style and I've read her blog for oh my god, like since she started it. I think she had her blog before I did. Like I love her style and her taste and she was messaging me like and said congratulations and she's like I'd love to help you design your Charleston house when you do decide to buy and I was like, "Awesome." And I was like, I could actually use some help for the new place. And she was like, done and done. So um, we're still talking about like rates and all the things like, but I think that I'm going to work with her.
0: That's so exciting. Yeah. So not to bring down the mood, but like, what's your low?
1: Um, so while it is also a high, I'm having a lot of just nervousness about the inauguration and potential violence. and I share that
0: concern. And I, I don't want to, because we're recording this beforehand. And then this episode is going to come out on Inauguration Day. Yeah. But I share that concern.
1: So mostly I'm really happy. And I think for me, Joe Biden is a big symbol of hope right now. But there's always that nervousness. It's been a really hard year. And I don't know, I I feel uncertain and just hoping that everything goes off without a hitch.
0: Yeah, I feel that.
1: How about you? Oh, uh, wait, I have another low. Oh, what's your other low? There. Is an animal living inside the ceiling between Alex and my apartments?
0: What kind of animal? Like a mouse?
1: I don't know. It's bigger than a mouse. It scratches. It. Um, I mean, it, the level of noise it was making last night is on par with noise that Tyrion can make. Like, and you're
0: sure it's not Oscar? I'm positive. Alex's cat.
1: Yeah, we've we've established that there was like thorough digging and um, burrowing going on, and it was walking across the the like space between our two ceilings. I'm so scared of it and I don't think it can get in because it's it's all sealed sealed off and like pretty firm but I'm like if it was like really strong could it get through the ceiling so last night it like it was the most aggressive because before I left for Charleston I'd been hearing it a little bit I kind of just hoped (laughs) that it would leave or die or like go away and like last night I was like the animal is back I don't know what it is I'm imagining a raccoon I don't know why there would be a raccoon in Brooklyn. It feels too big to be a rat. Okay. I don't know what it is. Okay. Uh, um, I don't love that. No, I don't love it either. So, guys, we – like, our building is great, but it's very old. So, we've mentioned we have cockroaches. Like, I mean, everything is all sealed off, so it's been a while since I've had a cockroach. But there's something in the wall. Hmm. And it's big. Hmm. Yeah. Not great. No.
0: So, Yay. Um, how about you? Milo is much stupider. So I had just like so much panic this week over. So I mentioned last week in my resolution in the resolutions episode that I am I am writing a book and it's very early stages. I'm I'm not yet talking about any details about it yet, but um I I had this panic because I was writing it in present tense. And, like, you know when you say a word so much that, like, it loses all meaning? And I was like, is this right? I was like, oh, should it be in the past tense? Yeah. And then I started Googling, and then I realized that there's this whole contingent of people who hate any book that's written in the present tense. Like, they won't read a book that's
1: written in the present tense. I was like, oh, my God, I need to change my book. What? I don't know. That's so dumb. I don't know. I don't mean to demean anyone's beliefs if they believe that, but I I don't understand. And and so I – but there were enough – Is it from first person in the present tense or is it from a narrator in the present tense? Okay. So it started as first person present tense. Okay. And then
0: I switched it to third person past tense, which seems to be like the least controversial – That makes sense. – tense. But I was like I, – I had this like panic – And then I kept sitting down to switch it. And I was like, no, it sounds right to me like this in first person, present tense. But then I eventually – and I I went back and forth like three times. Like there were like three days where I would sit down and be like, I'm going to change it. And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm going to change it. No, I'm not. And then finally I was like, you know what? If like this contingent of people, no matter how much I might disagree with it, like feel that negatively about it, I was like, I don't need to start from a a place of, you know – this these people won't won't even give it a chance so i ended up switching it because i didn't really care yeah but um it it held a lot of space in my
1: brain this week oh my god i can't imagine it it was
0: just like a minutiae like get in my head thing where i was like wait like there's a right way to do this and i don't think i'm doing it right oh my god so okay it's it's resolved okay good but um that was kind of funny yeah quick plea before we get into the episode. If you are enjoying this podcast and maybe you're new here, we would love it if you would leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That's so helpful to us. It helps uh, us with the rankings algorithm. It helps us to book really great guests. It helps new listeners who discover us to trust that we're legit. Um, So please, please, please leave us a rating or review. And if you've already done that, take a screenshot of yourself listening to this episode, especially if you think it would be useful for somebody in your life. Send it to a friend. Share it on your Instagram story. Get somebody who doesn't listen to get involved.
1: Yeah, do the things. Wait, should we tell them about the big guess? Oh, I was going to save that for the end. Oh, okay. I think we should tell them now. Okay, you can tell them now. Another hi, you guys. I was just like in awe and I'm still like sparkling because of this. We recorded a bonus episode with Elizabeth Gilbert, and it's going to drop the day after book club,
0: yes. So our book, club, we can't
1: believe she said yes.
0: Our book club book is by Elizabeth Gilbert. And we talked to her a little bit about the book, but it was it was frankly a lot more broad than just the book. Um, and she was incredible. It was incredible. a life high the conversation was a life highlight, and I cannot wait to share it,
1: yeah, a life highlight is the best way to put it. I'm still like, I, I like can't believe that happened. So look out for that next week. Yeah, but when you leave us reviews, it helps us to get guests like Elizabeth. That's true. Oh, that's a good time. That's where I was going with that. But oh. I also just wanted to to share for a minute because it was really cool.
0: Well, let's get to today's topic. Let's do it.
1: Azora Zoe Pognad is the founder of Goldoon, a new e-commerce brand making sustainability less beige. After a multi-role tenure at Food52, where she worked on all things home, kitchen, and food, Azora Zoe founded Goldoon in late 2020 when she felt sufficiently fed up with not being able to find what she was looking for when shopping sustainably for her home, lifestyle, or medicine cabinet. And before her time at Food52 and before founding Goldoon, Azora Zoe went to Parsons the New School, and her first job in New York City was an internship in social media marketing at Bobble Bar, where she met us, and she was my intern. So this is really exciting to have you here, Zoe. Um, Thanks for coming on. Welcome. Thank you for
2: having me. I'm really, really excited, obviously. And actually, I this time I, I dressed appropriately, Grace. I'm wearing my – I'm wearing your <gasps> Amazon The Drop pants. I love I just, it. I just showed her my knee. You can't obviously tell in, in audio. But. The deep,
0: dark secret is that this is the second time we're recording this interview <laughs> because the first time we had technical issues with the audio. So we're doing it again.
1: Yes. Yeah, so this is round two. It's going to be magical.
2: Everyone got to practice. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I got a mulligan. Like this time, I can be, I can be better spoken. <laughs> I thought you did great the first time. You did. Well, thank you so much. That that means a lot. Well, so we
0: introduced you, but can you tell us a little bit more about you and your career up until now?
2: Absolutely. Um, so I'm from California, but I moved to New York as like a late teen <laughs> to finish school. And I ended up going to the new school, and um, while I was there, my first real job in new york was of course (laughs) it's graces and alana i want also alana and alana yeah as your intern um at bobble bar and ended up being there for a year which feels crazy now but it was a summer thing and then i i loved it so much that they kind of just let me continue to hang out for a long time and then uh after that obviously finished school dabbled a little bit and found myself at food 52 which is if you haven't heard of it food 52 is uh um, an e-commerce startup, a content and commerce startup. So they're like a sort of food and kitchen and home resource where you can both go to like watch a recipe video and, you know, get a recipe for dinner, but also buy the plate that you're going to serve dinner on. Um, so really, really cool environment. I actually started my career in advertising, (laughs) um, and, and did that for a bit and worked on events and sponsored content and, um, a lot of different things, account management and client services. And then eventually sort of just, um, you know, the nature of startups, like you get to wear many hats. And I'm, I'm always a fan of like speaking up and asking for more or tagging in and ended up kind of moving into a different role where like I did a bunch of different things that didn't necessarily all belong under the same umbrella, but things like trying to work towards launching our first podcast network or uh, opening a retail store um, and, and all kinds of different kind of growth and development initiatives. So that was really awesome. And I was there for five years. Uh, and then, you know, I had, had really enjoyed the hustle and the grind. and had been in New York for almost um, almost a decade and was starting to miss trees and <laughs> I don't know. some of the things that exist outside of New York. It's hard to relate to that now because I really miss New York. And I'm like looking at the trees and I'm like, I wish they were buildings. But <laughs> at the time I was like, oh, I just want to get out of here. And I, I like made a bunch of dramatic life changes and choices because I thought that I didn't know that 2020 was going to like do that for me anyway. I felt like I needed to do it. So, so when like, were you, you know making
0: what? these these changes?
2: Uh, well, you know, I, I came back from like the quote unquote winter break last year. And I'm, as you guys know, like uh, Q4 for e-commerce and winter break is like not a break at all. That sort of time period is actually highly stressful. <laughs> and so I, I came back and I just thought, I don't know that I can operate at the same velocity or with the same intensity as I have been. I'm I'm burning out. And I, I wanna I wanna experience different pieces of life other than the like at that point, it was very, again, really hard to imagine now, but very like get on the subway, go to work, work till really late, maybe get a drink, subway home. And like that routine was I, I was I was tired, I needed a break. So I thought, um, I'm gonna travel and I <laughs> quit my job, gave a lot of notice, and just was like, hey. I've obviously loved my time here, but I'm, I'm ready to see the world and I, I would love to give you as much time as you need to find someone to replace me, but I, I need to go to Italy and and then maybe I'll move somewhere where there are trees. <laughs> and I'd never been to Italy, but for some reason that's like a very important part of the story. But I, I quit basically and I sublet my apartment and then like March rolls around. I gave notice in January, February, and it becomes like very clear that I'm not going to Italy and like I have no place to live new york anymore and i've put all my stuff in storage and i was like okay so i moved back in with my parents which was the absolute opposite of everything i had envisioned for my year of like growth and relaxation <laughs> but um it ended up being i guess what the doctor ordered i wanted to be around more trees and my parents had just moved to a house in the mountains and i'm literally surrounded by windows on all sides and trees and i live above a farm and there are all of the animals that i was like I would have geeked out overseeing when I lived in New York. I now see all the time. So in weird ways, 2020 gave me what I needed. But anyways, it was here and it was time in quarantine here that really got like my my business ideas cooking. And it, that eventually is what led to me starting Goldoon, like maybe three months after I got here.
1: And tell us more about the name, Goldoon. Where did that come from?
2: Great cue. So uh, I'm Iranian-American and Farsi is like my first-ish language. Um, so goldune means flower vessel or like vase in Farsi. And I wish that there was like a great earthly metaphor about that meaning something to the business is like a sustainability or an impact oriented business. But for the most part, I just really liked the, the name and the way it sounded and the transliteration. And, you know, you, you investigate a lot of names when you're starting a company. I had some really bad ideas, but thankfully this one, um, I I like the way it looked and sounded. And we, if you are familiar with our brand, like we have some sort of cool iconography with like squiggles and flowers and and things like that. So that's a, a secret hint for people who know what the
1: word means. Okay, so let's take a quick sponsor break. We have talked about our New Year's resolutions last week, but if one of yours is to get better sleep, now is the time to get yourself a night pillow. The night pillow is a memory foam pillow with a silk pillowcase that is designed to cradle your head for better sleep, while the silk pillowcase has serious skin and hair beauty benefits.
0: Yes, the beauty benefits of sleeping on a silk pillowcase are huge. And also, I've said this before, but I wanna say it again, Grace hates this. Here is a horrifying fact. Did Ugh, you please know Please don't share this. I no, hate I, it. I, I, I it it drives it home. Did you know that most pillows are bacterially indistinguishable from a toilet seat?
1: Whoa. You're sleep like
0: you're sleeping
1: on a toilet seat. Not everyone is. They might have a clean pillow okay. or a silk pillowcase.
0: Well, yeah, that's the thing. Since silk is not a food source for bacteria. All that gunk can't and won't live there, which is going to keep your pores clear all night long. Sorry, I'm still recovering from that fact, but
1: I have been a lifelong insomniac. And ever since I started sleeping with the night pillow, I think five years ago now, I have noticed an incredible difference in my sleep. In fact, I'm so dependent on it that I stole my mom's pillow while I was in Charleston. What's so great about this pillow is that since it's memory foam, it gently cradles your head, but then if you turn over or move around a lot in the night, it bounces right back so you don't end up with that deflated pillow pancake situation.
0: And since silk is not absorbent, the pillowcase supports optimal moisture levels for your skin and your hair. It fights split ends and wrinkles. And it keeps your expensive face creams on your face where they belong, not on your pillowcase. So if you're on the butter cream like Grace, you're moisturizing your face, not your pillow.
1: Lastly, silk helps to preserve your hair since it doesn't tug or create static. I am not getting blowouts like I used to these days, but I only wash my hair a few times a week. And one of the keys to keeping my hair looking good is this pillow and the silk pillowcase. When you sleep with a silk pillowcase, your blowout or just your regular old hair is going to last much longer and you won't wake up with that next day bedhead look.
0: And if you're still skeptical, I get it because with a pillow, I really think trying it is believing, which is why Night has an amazing 100 night return policy. So you can try it at home. And if you don't love it, you can return it no questions asked.
1: And we have a code for you. So you can take 20% off your own night pillow with code BOP20 at discovernight.com. Again, that's 20% off your night pillow with code BOP20 at discovernight.com. Let's get back to the episode.
0: Well, tell us more about the birth story of Gold dune because it sounds like it happened very quickly if, you know, in March it, was, it wasn't it was even a glimmer in your eye and now here we are in January 2021 and you're up and running.
2: Yeah. that's It's nuts to think about it being that fast. You're insane. Like, not, thank you. In the it best I like that way. she took
0: that as a compliment. Yes. Well, I meant it as a compliment.
2: I think you have to be to start a business and 2020. Like, I don't know what I was thinking. I knew it was insane as I was doing it. Um, because my parents are like serial entrepreneurs. I've seen them be crazy. And I that actually like put me off of doing it for a long time. So I had the idea, but I was very attached to this, like, I don't know, the the whole concept that like I needed to be a certain age or like have saved a certain amount of money or have done a certain amount of things in order to to do something like this. And by no means is it off the table, but I was like, no, no entrepreneurial pursuits are, you know, reserved for your late 30s. (laughs) I was like, not yet. Please wait. Um, so I, I did not want to do it. I didn't think I would, but after a certain amount of time, I feel like this year was this year, last year was, it feels like one long year. It does not feel different, but it, it like shook everything up. I don't know. It made me shake free of some of those ideas and some of those ego things I had, um, and decided that, there was nothing else I wanted to do. So I had the idea in probably May. I didn't talk about it or speak it out loud (laughs) until like June. And then when I did, I went from all of that doubt and like, uh, should I do this or I can't do this? And just like total 180 into, I absolutely must do this. There's nothing else I can do. I don't want to do anything else ever. And um, then I just... I flipped the switch. I decided to do it one day in June, and that was it. I incorporated soon after. (laughs) And I had this idea that I really wanted to get at least like a minimum viable product or something up off the ground before the election, because I wasn't sure what would happen with the election. And um, I wasn't confident about the state of the world, which was fair at the time. Uh, And so we did it. We launched October 20th made it through the election and Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and then like in. And now I like, feel like in January, I'm just having my first breath of like sane air where I can actually look objectively at what I've done and be like, oh, <laughs> it's real. How are you feeling? Like I feel out of my gourd, to be honest. I, I feel absolutely <laughs> insane all the time. It's weird to both live in your parents' home and like feel a little bit like you're like regressing towards teenage ship kind of. I've been here almost a year now, but like there are definitely those moments as one would expect if you move back in with your parents and then – On the other hand, to try to like operate as a serious business lady and like give myself all of the confidence and the kudos to go out and ask for what I need or like negotiate, it feels, it's a weird dichotomy. And also to do that always in your pajamas and never to see another human person. It's a really weird dynamic. And I I don't have a co-founder or a business partner or an advisor (laughs) or a life partner, but I highly, I highly reco having one of those things if you're gonna do it. It's truthfully very hard alone. (laughs)
1: Oh my god, I can't imagine. So we're going to go into some more tactical sustainability questions because I think our audience has a lot of those. But before we do that, what's your personal journey with sustainability been like? Have you always been this way? Well, this is a fun answer because I
2: first—I think I first got into it from clean beauty and from listening to your pod. That's insane! I love that. I know it's a cool—it's a cool cool circle.
0: Well, Well, I consider—I don't consider myself. An A plus on sustainability. So I'm just Me I'm very um, surprised that our podcast was an impetus because I'm excited <laughs> to learn from you because I think that I'm like a C on sustainability. Like I do all the obvious things, but I'm not going above and beyond in any way. But well, I would like I- to.
2: I think it's hard to go above and beyond and the way it's set up or like the way that the narrative, at least on social media, is set up is like either you go above and beyond or you're not doing enough or you're not doing it, which isn't totally fair. And that's part of why I wanted to start this business is like I didn't feel like there was representation for real people who like wanted to do a little bit better, but for full Like full zero waste is maybe not in the cards for a lot of us and power to people who it is for, but I'm not into like shaming people who it's not for. So how can we have like productive and interesting conversations about ways that we can all be a little better that aren't like shame or judgment driven, which I I don't know. I didn't see that at least when I was looking for it earlier.
0: Well, wait, I interrupted you. Tell us more about how you kind of went from, you know, being this normal person (laughs) to founding a company that focuses on sustainable products and sustainable living.
2: <laughs> you made that sound like I became Spider-Man or, like, I Clark Kent or something. But it, d- it does kind of feel that way. Honestly, Honestly a, a more useful
0: superpower <laughs> than, like, True. shooting webs out of your hands.
2: Absolutely. It's shocking that Spider-Man is, like, an acclaimed superhero and that's his only power. But... 100%. Uh, I feel oftentimes like I don't have uh, the chops because I'm not, I don't have like a degree in sustainability and I'm not, you know, I, or industrial design or like, I, I don't, I'm not lead certified anything. Right. I'm just a regular person who was like, this is very interesting to me. I'm going to do a ton of research or I'm going to learn by trial and error, which to be fair, I guess is how most people learn to do most things or ever specialize in anything. But Sometimes I feel a little impostery, but all of that is to say that I first started getting into sustainability. I was listening to your pod, and then I started listening to a lot of pod episodes with, you know, like interviews with people like Indie Lee and really going down the clean beauty rabbit hole. And I hadn't been a makeup or like a skincare person before. Honestly, I had been hoarding like extra PR samples that Grace would give me (laughs) as an intern. Like I was buying my mascara at the drugstore. That was the level of interest I had. It just like was not on my radar. And I don't know why clean beauty like switched that desire on for me, but it did. And at first I was into like lotions and potions and goos, but I was... Wait, what mascara do
1: you use now? Because your lashes look incredible. Thank you so much. Right now I am using the Gucci
2: Westman. I have a trial sample oh, and I'm testing
1: it out. I but like that one. It's so expensive though.
2: I know. That's why I have just the sample. I, I do yeah. not think I will purchase the full size. I Before this, it was the Kosas Big Clean also, the little guy. I okay. like to test the little ones because they expire pretty quickly, right? Like you're not supposed to have them yeah. that long. I, I know that's, that's bad for the environment. This is my my advice is like I can't find a plastic-free mascara.
1: Yeah, I don't know if if one even exists. I mean, I'm sure it does, but there's like one yeah. or two. But I I have not loved what I've found. It's like coconut oil, anyway. Sorry, um, sorry.
2: No, no. I learned about it from you, but I, I got really into it. And then I think since I was young and I wasn't into like I didn't need retinol or it was it was like pretty skin deep, like not that not interested in actives at 23 or 24. I started. Really starting to care about packaging and started thinking about packaging because for the first time I had empties. <laughs> the mm-hmm. thing about not wearing makeup very much is like you don't really notice the packaging. Um, so all of a sudden I was like, oh, <laughs> I have to do something with these and started really, I guess, investigating and getting interested in the brands who did like refillable things, like Kiehl's or you know palettes where you could buy a refill um, mascara where you could buy a refill. They make one of those too and. Uh, then at a certain point, obviously, it's like wildfire, right? Like you start doing that in your medicine cabinet or like your beauty drawer. And then you're like, okay, why am I not doing this for my kitchen or the rest of my house, the rest of my apartment? And it just like consumed my life. And I, um, my coworkers, my friends were really into it too. Like I started a mini newsletter where I was like trialing and reviewing products and a Finsta where we would all comment and post the things that we liked and things we didn't like and what was working for us. Um, and there was a lot of interest and community there. And that's that's definitely what got the sauce cooking for me was I love talking about this stuff with friends and friends of friends and friends of, friends of friends of friends. And now the I think the great part of what Goldoon is is I get to do that literally all day, every day. That's awesome.
0: And before we dive into some of these sustainability questions, I guess talk to us a little bit about how do you define sustainability?
2: Yeah, this is a tough question. It's a very greenwashy like zeitgeisty word,
1: it is like the same with natural.
2: Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> it really is. That or naturally, naturally derived, or like yeah. there's so many like little ways to like interject that it's natural, and then you look at the ingredients. Really, like, this is the farthest thing from natural. Right, well, I also because- know from
0: working at Lola that you know the word natural isn't regulated in any way, exactly. and I don't think sustainable is either. So it's really on a you know, personal basis to define what that means. But then also, I think a lot of companies hijack that word. So it's really unclear because there's no consistency of what I call sustainable versus what big company X calls sustainable versus what you call sustainable.
2: Oh, one hand dopey. I completely agree with that. But I mean, I don't know if the answer is to regulate the word. That feels stressful. But I do think that there needs to be clarity and definition. That's definitely something we're working on too for 2021 is like, how can we create a hub that's very, very explicit about what it means to us and all of the different ways that, um, you know, not to like get all in on greenwashing, but to be very clear and very concise about what it actually means. And so then you can be a little bit more discerning, not to put, I I think it's hard to put even more work onto the shoulders of like regular people, (laughs) But um, yeah, I I think that's a big priority for us this year. But sustainability, I mean, in the most general sense, really just means doing something that's not um, creating something (laughs) that doesn't actively tax or like kill or cause active harm to the environment or something that actually when it goes away, actually can like disintegrate or completely break down or actually quote unquote go away. I think it all it, an easy way to think about it is to go back to this whole idea of like trash and where does trash actually go? There is no such thing as throwing something away. It just usually goes to a landfill and closer to people who are like less privileged or less fortunate than you who have to live near that and who oftentimes suffer the consequences and oftentimes those are people of color, but I just think that uh it's very easy for us to get wrapped up into that idea, right? Because of course someone shows up and magically takes Our trash somewhere. We don't think about the fact that it all sort of slowly cooks and releases methane and those methane cause like emissions. And just the the whole idea is pretty foreign to us because we don't see it. Um, and obviously we, we think we know about recycling and we think that that's something that is, um, like a well-oiled machine. And the sad truth in reality is that recycling isn't really a thing. And we don't actually have the infrastructure to recycle most of what gets sent to recycling at all. And in the US, we're not doing it. Can
0: you talk a little bit more about that? Because when we did this interview the first time, that blew my mind. Because, you know, half of the reason I'm giving myself a C on sustainability is because I recycle, which apparently counts for nothing. Not counts for nothing, but like doesn't actually have the impact I assumed it did.
1: There was a really good special on CBS Sunday morning. I just remember them like walking us through this recycling center. And uh, I still have the visual in my head of all the plastic bottles that like could not be melted down because something was wrong with them or off. And I was just like it. I was like, no more plastic bottles ever. Like this was a while ago. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Cans only, but even cans like there's problems with that, too. And stuff doesn't always make it. It ends up in landfills.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, like post-industrial revolution, this is all a relatively new idea. The idea that you would recycle and not just reuse anything, or that you could like melt stuff down and remake it uh, or sell that material is pretty, pretty new still. Not to say that we shouldn't have figured it out better, but if you're, if this intrigues you, I recommend like doing a, a Google because the New York Times and Columbia have written better exposés on it than I ever could like quickly distill. But, I, I will say that, yeah, most of the stuff that gets sent to recycling doesn't get recycled. Um, if you want to be, you know, if you know you're not going to be able to go zero waste, but you want to be cognizant of the fact that our, our recycling infrastructure is actually not set up to recycle, then uh, a few of the things you can do are just to maybe know the materials that are most recyclable. So aluminum is by far the best. It's infinitely recyclable. So anytime you buy an aluminum refill or something that's in complete, like 100% aluminum packaging, that's that's at least a win on the recycling front. Um, plastic is sometimes recyclable. The sad part is there's like a gajillion different <laughs> kinds of plastic and you have to know. And we're working on creating like fun tools to make it easy to remember which kind is which and like what you can do with it. The ironic piece of all of this is that um, it's great when people use PCR, which is post-consumer recycled plastic. And you can do that with paper as well. But when you do it with plastic, sadly, the more recycled plastic is part of a plastic bottle, or um, I guess a bottle is probably the, the best or most common example, the less recyclable that plastic becomes. So there is basically a cap on how much you can recycle plastic. So even if you're using recycled plastic, and a lot of brands, I think this is kind of a greenwashy thing, love to talk about using you know, 30% PCR, or sometimes I'll say 90% PCR, and the plastic is like, it makes you feel good that you're buying recycled plastic bottle anything. But the the truth is that at a certain point, you can no longer recycle those things. Um, and so that, you know, 50% PCR bottle that you, you may have in your shower might actually not be recyclable anymore. So it's tricky. I think glass and aluminum are pretty simple, pretty straightforward. We, we know what to do with them. Um, so if you have a choice, I recommend those. Or a lot of times, like, we've talked a little bit about shampoo and conditioner. Like, I know that a lot of people freak out at bar shampoo and conditioner. I did, too. I found one I loved. But that comes in paper packaging, and that's a lot easier to recycle, especially when it's printed with eco-friendly or water-based or bio-inks. Um, that that will take the cake over, like, a plastic pump or uh, shampoo bottle every time. Sorry, I really went deep into No, that.
1: that's really helpful. I, I I just gleaned a lot from that, so thank you. Okay, good. I'm glad. Let's take another quick break to talk about a sponsor. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp offers professional therapy online via chat, video, or phone so you can talk to a licensed counselor from the comfort of your couch.
0: So we're in January. We're in that new year, new me mode. And maybe one of your New Year's goals is to start taking care of your mental health. And maybe for you, that means trying therapy. But it can be so overwhelming to dive in. Like, where do you even find a therapist? How do you know what they specialize in? And what do you do if it's not a match? And I love that BetterHelp is solving all of these problems and saving you wasted time cruising through your insurance directory. So BetterHelp offers private, affordable online counseling when you need it without having to leave your house.
1: They make it so easy. So here's how it works. You fill out a simple online questionnaire that will assess your needs. Then they ask about your age, your relationship status, your past experiences with therapy, what you're looking to address, and then they'll match you with your own licensed professional therapist. They have counselors who are specialized in absolutely everything from depression and stress and anxiety to relationships, trauma, family conflicts, LGBT matters, grief, and self-esteem issues.
0: And you can start communicating with your therapist in under 24 hours. You can message them anytime and you can get timely, thoughtful responses via like not text, but via message. And you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions And best of all, it's more affordable than traditional online counseling, and financial aid is available.
1: They are really committed to facilitating great matches, so they make it free and easy to change counselors if you need to. And if you're skeptical, you should check out the testimonials on their site. It's really clear that their patients are extremely happy with them, and they've helped so many people.
0: And anything you share is, of course, always confidential. We want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash bad on paper. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash bad on paper. Back to the episode.
1: So we're going to get into these like more tactical questions. And the first one is what is a good first step to take if you're at square one and you know that you want to live more sustainably in 2021, but you're not really sure where to start? Okay. Great question. I think it's tricky.
2: It's, it's different for everyone. And I, I think one of the things that I try to be cautious about doing, especially with Gold Dune, is making sure that, um, we don't make sort of like presumptions about anyone's means or it, it's things are accessible. I, I mean, like a lot of times one of my issues with kind of the zero waste movement or the slow living movement or the assumption that you have like a large amount of income or time to do these things. And typically they just cost time or, you know, an upfront investment that's like, say you're, you're buying re, reusable makeup remover wipes, which we sell and they're slightly more expensive, obviously, than the $2.99 version that you buy at the drugstore. And over time, like in six months, your investment pays off fully. <laughs> and then for the rest of your life, you're set. But um, they require upfront investment, right? And I don't want to like pretend or lie about that or assume that everyone should do that um, or has the means to do that. That just doesn't really feel fair and inclusive. So I, I would say it totally depends on where you're coming from. If you have Bandwidth to purchase things, I definitely recommend an easy switch you can make is reusables. The reality is we don't actually need a lot of disposable things. So reusable paper towels, um, compostable or biodegradable sponges are really easy ones. Things that are like easy throwaways that you don't think about. It's pretty easy to integrate a permanent version of that into your life. I would say also composting um, generally besides the bin is free (laughs) and makes a huge, huge difference. Um, and is a really, really great way to get started. If you do one thing, maybe that could be it. And then I think the last thing, um, and this is again, technically free, if you have access to the internet is to read and to stay pretty active and engaged. Like obviously we just, we had an election, then we had a runoff and there were lots of ways for people who, you know, maybe can't, purchase like slow fashion items or get really involved in that way. there are a lot of ways for people to show up and to advocate for um, you know saving the climate and uh, getting really engaged on a broader level because at the end of the day it's super great if you use reusable paper towels but let's not pretend that that's gonna actually stop <laughs> the impending climate crisis because it's it's not even close we, we have a lot more to do. It's a good thing to do but I, I think it's always maybe for me at least and this is personal, it's, it's more important to engage on a higher level and a broader level and to drive policy and to drive uh, actual change from people who are like fully accountable, who haven't been held accountable, right? So like we we don't often hold our government accountable. We don't do a good job of holding fossil fuels accountable. And it sounds scary and complicated and hard, but it's actually pretty easy and staying, staying well-read and staying active, um, I guess, on social, if that's your medium, those are all really great things you can do that don't cost money.
0: And I completely agree with that. And now I'm going to take it down to the most shallow level. Um, (laughs) I want to talk more about product swaps. So what are like arbitrarily three product swaps that are going to have the biggest difference? Because I feel like, you know, I hear so much about, I feel like straws hired the same uh, PR people as (laughs) kale. And, you know, you hear so, so much about straws as this huge environmental culprit. And it's like, is that where we should be starting? <laughs>
2: um, I don't, I don't think straws are number one on my list. Um, also people, straws got their PR moment. Like most people know about the the straws. So, um, that I would say we're, we're good there. Just like try to, try to pick responsible straw choices for, <laughs> For other things you can do, um, I try to think about really high traffic areas. So for me, it's like kitchen sink, bathroom, trash. Those are like places I'm in and out all the time. Um, and you know, maybe like skincare or bath and body or shower. Those are also areas you think about, but, um, using, I mentioned biodegradable sponges. Like there's no reason that sponges have to be made of plastic. (laughs) There's like no solid good reason for that. So why not pick another one? Um, Or like a dish brush, if that's more your speed. There are also dish brushes that are also not made of plastic. Um, And I mentioned reusable paper towels. Even if you just like to reuse like tea towels or hand towels that are made of fabric. They don't have to be made of like items that look like paper towels. Um, In the bathroom, I think an easy swap. And I know some people have difficulty with this. I'm not going to suggest reusable toilet paper. But I am going to suggest toilet paper made of renewable resources. So bamboo is a really good one. Um... It's not treated with the same chemicals that cotton toilet paper is treated with. Um, cotton, sorry, paper toilet paper. I'm thinking of Cottonelle. Sorry, I didn't want to name the brand, but um, that's it. Gets treated with a lot of stuff, and that stuff goes into water, and you don't really think about how does that water get reused, or like where does that water go after we use it to relentlessly bleach our toilet paper. <laughs> um, but with with plant based and renewable toilet paper, that's less of a concern. Um, and then I think trash. We talked about compost. Huge, huge thing. Definitely recommend getting a compost bin. Um, And we, we have these compostable like compost bin liners, but we also have them for trash. And I think that's another really good one. Obviously still not great to send anything to landfill, but we all technically most of us do it. Um, and I think the goal is divert as much as you can from the trash can towards compost. So that's like food waste, uh, natural matter that doesn't include cooking oils or like meat or dairy or anything like that. But that does include coffee grounds, banana peels. Like basically when you're making dinner, I don't know if other people do this, but I keep like a trash bowl with me when I'm like chopping things on the cutting board and just like, then my onion skins go in the trash bowl and they're not on the cutting board, just dumping that into a bin and then composting everything in that bin is a really, really great thing because that keeps all of that stuff out of the landfill, keeps it from, you know, adding more methane to our atmosphere. Um, but even if you can, just switching to either recycled plastic trash liner or compostable trash liner for those non-natural materials that are still going to go to landfill.
1: That's like, that's so helpful. I switched to um, bamboo toilet paper during quarantine, mostly because I couldn't get regular toilet paper, <laughs> but I've... Ca- Continue to reorder it and I it took a little adjusting but I I love it now
2: see that's not a C that's like a solid B plus a minus no
1: I I do all the things but I am an influencer and I cannot give myself above a C because I'm making people buy stuff and I'm also just getting sent boxes of trash constantly in the mail I say boxes of trash but just all the PR mailers with like branded wine glasses and water bottles and it's like what do I do with this like so I, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not above a C. I sometimes think I'm a D just because of the stuff that is
2: associated <laughs> with my job. Actually, that's a really good point. One of the, the things we get the most requests for, and this really surprised me, is like plastic-free tape, like shipping tape or craft oh, yes. tape, which makes sense. Like tape is, tape is plasticized. But um, I was surprised at the amount of everyday people who were like, please give me the industrial plastic-free tape. Yeah, so we're working on it. But it was I, I was expecting them to want like deodorant and not tape.
1: <laughs> but you use tape so much. The other thing I would say is packaging supplies. So like when I get a PR mailer and it's um they use those dissolvable um, peanuts versus the yes. styrofoam ones. I'm just like, thank you. Like then I can just dump it all down the drain and like let it dissolve in the sink and not worry about it.
2: Those are fun, too. Honestly, I enjoy them more because it's fun to watch things dissolve. (laughs) It's
1: like a cool science project. Exactly. I love it.
2: So we had a
0: couple specific requests that people wanted help troubleshooting. Somebody wanted to know, what's the best eco-friendly laundry detergent?
2: Okay, I'm biased. I think the one that we carry is the best. Um, It comes in compostable packaging. It's super cute. And uh, biodegradable pods, basically. But it's actually made of soap berries, which are a real thing. Um, soap berries are where soap originally came from. And this al-
0: <laughs> blew my mind. I know. It's I did se- not know that soap was a fruit or a vegetable or like a <laughs> berry. Like I, I had no idea
2: that soap was not a man-made thing. Well, some people call them soap nuts, I realized. Um, so it's a soap berry or soap nut. It kind of looks more like a nut than a berry. I mean, berry, like it conjures up a vision of like a foaming raspberry, which is like, not what this is at all. This looks more like a walnut, I would say. Um, but they're a natural soap and like the, it's a very natural saponification. I've never said that word out loud <laughs> process, but basically they get wet and they get sudsy and they're, they have cleansing properties. And so a lot of cultures, particularly in Asia, have been using them for literally like thousands and thousands of years. I want to say more, but I, I don't know. I'm not a historian, but um very, very like classic cleaning technique. And for some reason, we decided that we should just like instead sell plastic gallons of 99% water and um, not use those. So I feel like laundry detergent is the biggest scam of all time, just selling really heavy jugs of mostly water. Um, <laughs> it's, it's like not fair to the environment. It's also not fair to the consumer who's paying for so much for blue water. Um, but I think that the, the soap berry pods are probably one of my favorite things on the site. They are just like natural little cleaning pods and you pop them in, in the drum of the laundry bin.
0: What's the brand name if people want to search for it on your
2: site? The brand name is called Nature First, but you can just click on cleaning. And we really only have two laundry detergents right now. One, I did want to provide like a refillable liquid version for people who are really, really gung-ho about that. I mean, I think the goal is like find what works for you and stick with it, but the, the biodegradable pods in the compostable packaging are probably a little bit friendlier to the environment and also just a uh, smaller smaller footprint easier to put away and stuff um, and there's 60 pods you really only need one per wash so it's a it's a good deal nature first
1: um i'm moving in april and i'm gonna have laundry in my apartment and i'm gonna buy all of my laundry products from and i can't wait
2: Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. I'm also very excited for your new apartment decor and setup. I feel like you're going to have a whole – I'm excited. It was cool when you moved into this. You painted the floor. This is like fun. a whole new that.
1: It's yeah, this great. one will be a little less diy but it's going to be really fun. I can't wait. Um, wait, let's talk about the kitchen. So food storage is always a hot topic between plastic wrap and, you know, plastic – Tupperware and all of the things. What are your bags? Plastic bags. There's there's so many. Um, what are the best product swap in your opinion? Okay, last time we talked about this, I went on and on about like glass and
2: aluminum and Grace was like, What about beeswax wraps? (laughs) I was like, Oh yeah, duh. That iconic (laughs) saran wrap. I love those. I just like didn't think about them. Um, no, those are great. So item, uh, that's what item number one is. <laughs> if you're but trying you to also plastic. don't like the
1: silicone bags, so we got to talk about that.
2: I don't. I think they spill. I did notice a few more have sort of come on the market that seem potentially more secure and like more similar to the, the patented Ziploc technology where you really yeah. seal them. But at least the ones that I had been using um, or had tested, like I didn't feel like they could hold liquid very solidly. So that's a picky personal preference. They work great for a lot of people who are just like wanting to put a snack for their kids together and it's like dry foods or like carrots. That's great.
1: That's the thing. I thought about it after our conversation and I was like I've never put a liquid in my my stasher bag. It's always like fruits or like cut up stuff or um, like a lemon or an apple that like I didn't eat the whole thing of. So – yeah. Sometimes or I think about like meats
2: or like marinating
1: meats. Like yeah. sometimes
2: that's what I use a plastic bag for. That those that's the time that I think I would reach for like the aggressively oh. sealable one.
1: See, I put but that in. I've yet to find
2: a. Oh, see, that's a great idea. I guess I just need a big glass like Pyrex. But yeah. I would say Pyrex, um, though it has a plastic lid. Anytime you get an aluminum or a glass container over like the plastic kind, it's it's definitely better, obviously, for the environment, or recyclable when you're done. And probably, I'm not, I'm not like a wellness guru or a scientist, obviously, but I would assume that it's probably a little better for your health too.
0: <laughs> Let's take one more quick sponsor break. So if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you have definitely heard me talk about my obsession with pros, the world's most personalized hair care. Well, I wanted to share some updates because I'm almost done with my second bottle, and I'm more obsessed than ever. So Pros makes completely custom hair care based on your hair goals, your lifestyle, and even environmental factors based on your zip code. So when I signed up, I told them that I wanted less frizz when I air dry my hair, I wanted to go longer between washes without getting oily at the roots, and I just wanted to improve my overall hair health. And I have to say, I have noticed success on all fronts. So after I started using it in June, so like six and a half months of using Crows, my hair is shinier, it dries with less frizz, and I'm easily going three days without reaching for my dry shampoo, which is really huge for me. And I'm also very obsessed with the fragrance. So I get the Corsica scent, and it smells so good. It makes my whole shower experience just feel so luxurious. And those were just my hair goals. So with their algorithm, there are over 50 billion formula combinations. So pros will determine the unique blend of ingredients to work with your exact goals. And what's really cool is that your formula gets better over time. They also have a review and refine feature that lets you tell them how they did when you reorder and allows you to change things up if say you dyed your hair or you changed up your diet or exercise routine. And if you're not 100% positive, Pros is the best hair care you've ever had. They'll take the products back, no questions asked. Pros is the healthy hair regimen with your name all over it. Take your free in-depth hair quiz and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash B-O-P. That's pros dot slash B-O-P for your free in-depth hair quiz and 15% off your order. Back to the episode. So I feel like you've been being modest here and you're giving us all these tips that are either, you know, more general, like
2: brand advocacy
0: <laughs> or, you know, more generic, like enlightening us to soap berries. But I want to know what are your favorite products on the Goldoon site? What are the ones that have like changed the game for you?
2: okay, I'm excited because I actually have new additions since the the last time we attempted to record this. So I, I have brand new. I mean, I still, I still am really passionate about, we have these like hand-blown reusable glass twisty straws and like fun, bright colors. I love those for fun. I'm obviously still drinking out of one right now. Again, you can't see because it's a podcast, but um, those are great. I fell in love with a bar shampoo and conditioner. i never believed in that as a concept. I have really long, thick, like wavy hair, but it's changed my hair texture and now it's always very shiny and smooth. Um, you really
0: really I need you to, put I need the you hard, hard go press on last time. Because yeah. last time I when you started to say you were like I started using bar soap, I was like hard eye roll. And by the <laughs> yeah. end I was like, Oh, I'm I'm maybe interested in, in in bar shampoo.
1: You should all know she has amazing hair. So she does. It's
0: like down to her a, butt yeah, she's Thank she's so a walking
1: much. shampoo commercial. <laughs> So,
2: okay, so I think this, this is like a cool brand story. This is part of the reason why I love what I do. So this founder was basically like, I love salon quality hair care. Why does it have to come in plastic all the time? And like these tiny bottles, I go through so many of them. It's so expensive. That feels ridiculous. Like there must be a better way. So um, she ended up Creating, I don't know how she did it. Obviously, it's probably a patented trade secret, but she ended up basically being able to distill like the formulas that she really loved from what her salon would send her home with into a bar and both a bar for shampoo and a bar for conditioner. And she has body care products as well, but obviously, bar soap for body is less revolutionary. Like, we've people have been doing that for a long time, but. They're both really amazing. Um, I was really, really reticent to try, but of course did and fell in love with what the conditioner has done for my hair and the shampoo as well. Um, But the conditioner was the bigger concern, right? Like, would it it actually do enough? And it 100% does. The conditioner bar, I'm not sure about the shampoo, but I know the conditioner bar ends up replacing six bottles of like traditional
1: salon conditioner. Wow, that's wild. Yeah.
2: So I've had mine since July and it's now like the end of January. So, I mean, I'm not even halfway through. So I feel pretty good about it. The sad part, the sad development since we last talked is they're they're not making them anymore, I don't think. So when we're out, oh, we're no. fully out. I know. And we're out of the shampoo, but we still have some conditioner left. So we did a giveaway last week and did like a free gift with purchase of the conditioner because I'm like obsessed with it. I want everyone to try it while they can and stock up. And I personally bought like four. So I'm set on conditioner for five years. <laughs> but um, that's probably my favorite discovery. And then a new thing that we just added that I think is a really good value and just like a really good starter kit for anyone who's dabbling or uh, wants to, like we talked about high traffic areas of a house, um, making a switch there. There's uh, a cleaning set from another brand that we work with who I really love called Squishful. Um, also I like that color name brand. Um, yeah. Right. So the, the founder, her name is Jen. She's amazing. Um, but she basically was like, I'm, I'm not into all of the plastics in my sponges and went down this rabbit hole as apparently like the theme with everyone I work with and myself. <laughs> it's like, we all were like, I must obsess over this. Um, but she ended up first making these sponges that are made of like renewable wood pulp. But basically they are perfectly flat. Kind of like, I don't know if you guys remember this, but like those washcloths that I'd, I remember having like Disney washcloths as a kid that would pop up into like this big thing when exposed to water. Yeah, over were like this tiny tablet. It's that, but for grownups and it's a sponge. <laughs>
0: like inflatable dinosaurs?
2: No, it's it's more like it looks like paper when it comes to uh-huh. you and then you put water on it and it poofs up into a big sponge. Um, so she I don't created think I ever those, had this. I'll, I'll show you them and you'll, maybe okay. I'm just describing it poorly, but, um, she made a sponge and then she just rolled out. Like I, I just put these on the site like 24 hours ago. Um, another sponge, but this one has l- like a loofah surface on the back. That's a scrubber and loofah. I feel like a lot of people don't know this. Loofah is actually like a, a gourd. It's a naturally occurring plant, kind of like soap. What?
1: I knew yes. that one.
2: I feel like okay. cool. Okay. So it's, it's like a renewable resource. So instead of plastic fibers or steel wool, this is just loofah on the back of the sponge. And the last thing she made was, um, a dish brush that's made of bamboo, but like, doesn't look crunchy. I feel like a lot of dish brushes, I wouldn't want them displayed in my kitchen, but of course all of these things she developed and they're really cute. So that set comes with the three sponges, the scrubber, the dish brush and a reusable or sorry, replacement brush head. And I think that's a great, that's a great entry point. I'm excited about that one. I introduced it to my dad, who's very attached to his, you know, yellow and green traditional sponge. And and he's like very into the loofah, which he's a tough customer, I got to say. So if if it worked for him, it works for me.
1: (laughs) These were some really great new product recommendations, but what's your perspective on buying new sustainable stuff versus buying used unsustainable stuff to not use up more resources?
2: I get a lot of questions in, um, in the gold dune dms we do a lot of like sustainability q a's every sunday we'll do a &A. thank you i really like them too and the questions are really interesting um but a lot of the questions we get and i I don't always post these sometimes i answer them directly or just like compare the actions of this thing to this thing and tell me which is more sustainable. And people will get super personal being like, I'm going to walk to this grocery store two miles from my apartment and purchase this item in plastic, or should I order this item online? And like, what's the associated carbon tax? And I'll be like, I'm so sorry. There's not a magic calculator where I can, I can like understand the impact and the life cycle and the full journey of you and those products and your home and where you live. Um, I wish I was like, I love reading those more
1: specific nerdy questions, though.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, I love the nerdy questions. But I'm I'm sad because I can't give people people really want answers and clarity. And sadly, this is like actually a topic with great opacity. And there's There's no like black and white answer. It's incredibly nuanced, but I think it comes down to common sense and what works for you and what's like tenable for you. I want to say sustainable, but I mean like literally what you can sustain as a person. So what habits can you stick with? Or like, it's not just about trying like a different sustainable product every week. It's about like what works for you and what can you actively incorporate into your routine. Obviously, usually, I would say almost always, buying secondhand is better. You're not going to buy secondhand toilet paper probably or toothpaste. There are items where it does really make sense uh, to buy something new and sustainable. And then there are items, of course, like sometimes um, I was just, I was like prop sourcing for a shoot we have coming up and was looking at all of these like amazing different vintage plates and serving trays and like cake stands and things like that. And was like, man, why does anyone ever buy this stuff new? Like there are so many amazing things on eBay Um. So there, there are certainly things where, like, you can dig deeper. You can buy secondhand and probably have as awesome of an experience as you would if you were buying mass-produced things. It it just comes down to you know type of item, your life, your preference.
1: Mm -hmm. I think that's really helpful. One thing I really admire about my younger sister is she has like certain rules. Like, whenever we're buying plastic toys for the boys we have to buy them secondhand. But she's like, but you can get new books, you can get new these things, um, like fabric things. So I don't know, I've learned a lot from her.
2: I love that. That's a perfect example. I feel like you set your own, your own like rules or your own guidelines. But I think all of us sort of know where we feel like we can buy used um, and where we know we need maybe a new thing.
0: What are some of your favorite resources for learning about being more sustainable, like books,
2: websites, Instagrams?
1: Oh, I follow Patagonia now because of you and I love him.
2: Well, okay. That's a perfect one. Um, that's really, really fun content and really like, I I don't know, really good inspiration to get maybe a little bit more involved, um, either on like an activist level or just finding, you know, finding ways to sign a petition or, you know, get your name in the mix. Intersectional environmentalist is a really great follow. Um, I really love them. I think they make really great infographics and uh, it's a good way to stay, I guess, kind of abreast and informed of what's what's happening. Um, And we're trying to do a lot of that, too, and trying to launch sort of more initiatives this year that are really built around um, kind of like keeping us in touch with the Paris Climate Agreement and and where we are and what we need to do, uh, because that really is the big The big fundamental issue, and I think sometimes it gets confusing, or it's hard to remember what the goal is, or it just feels very doom and gloom, and like the house is on fire, and it absolutely is. But it it's it's good to know always like where we're at. And then the last is uh, Katie Bouet is a really cool founder of I believe it's the Outdoor Advocacy Group. I don't have my notes in front of me, but. She founded a really cool organization um, and posts a lot of really cool content from her house slash mini farm in Utah. Um, And if you're into the outdoors or you find that kind of content or inspo interesting, I think a really great follow there as well.
1: I think we're going to wind it down with one last question. Well, we have a couple funny random ones, but what has it been like launching a company during quarantine? We want to know the best part and the hardest part.
2: Okay. Okay. The best part I think is that I I think I would have had a lot of fomo starting a company like this and spending all this time inside, never going out like making zero income, not being able to do things my friends are doing if I lived in New York like if I if this was normal times, I think I would be suffering from extreme fomo <laughs> extreme loneliness and now we're all suffering from those things. So in many ways. <laughs> I love that level playing field like it's not just me who's at home not being able to go out with my friends it's everyone <laughs> so um in that's many what I ways, say about was, dating
1: like nobody's doing yes. it so you're not like losing time we're just all hitting pause 100 percent. I'm not missing quality time with my boyfriend I don't have a boyfriend <laughs> because <laughs> I'm inside um
2: so I I like that and I do think that like in this time um it's so hard if you don't have something you're super passionate about that you can throw yourself into, like, many hours of the day. I, I've also done quarantine, obviously, unemployed and living with my parents. And I can just say that, like, the difference is huge, right? When you have something that you feel like purpose for, um, your your days look a lot different. Not to say that they're easy. So i will go into the hard part. Um I mentioned the the extreme aloneness of founding a business by yourself in 2020. Uh, I would say that for sure um, not having a person to like gut check with or you know on bad days like check in with or um you know those are those are big things like I, a lot of the time when I'm down or something bad happens i I just feel extreme weight on my shoulders and I wish that there was someone that I could sometimes be like, hey. <laughs> this awful thing happened today. What do you think? But instead, you know, it's it's core. So it's Groundhog Day. So you just go to bed and wake up the next day and you do it all over again. And at a certain point, I'm, I'm feeling that pretty heavy. So one of my goals for this year is to try to find some sort of coach or advisor or someone that I can like share a little bit of that weight with, because I don't think that it's, to use the the buzzword of the day, I don't think it's sustainable.
0: <laughs> so we're going to end it with a funny question that we got a bunch of times. A lot of people wanted to know, what was it like working with us at
2: Bobble Bar? I love this question. I think be it's nice. so funny.
1: I, of course I'll be nice. What would I have to say? I don't it's know. Bad. I, I, don't, I ho- hope you don't have anything bad to say. No,
2: actually, since we reconnected, Bobble Bar has been on my mind a lot more. And I have a few, like, very visceral memories of my time there. Like, one of them, Grace, is your Valentino Rockstud shoes that you oh, wore. Oh, yeah.
0: She she was in a very heavy Valentino Rockstud shoes. Yes, rock stud. I was. This
1: was, how, this was, like, five or six years ago. It's like, 2014, like, 2015. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. I think 2013, 2014. I don't know. (laughs) I still have them. I'm waiting for them to come back in style. I'm so happy to
2: hear that. I hope that next time I see you in person, if ever, you're wearing them. (laughs) I'll wear them just for you. (laughs) Great. I, I remember that. I remember lots of giggles. Becca, I remember you being very fun. I remember like the paint in the office being very distinct. I remember my interview with Grace and being very nervous and not feeling at all like I got the job and being shocked when I found out that I did. Um, and let me think what else I, I don't know, like the nail polish shelf, <laughs> I have this visceral memory of like Amy sitting on the floor, pulling out samples and like going through sourcing and helping her organize mm-hmm. like boxes and boxes of jewelry, packaging lots of boxes, writing lots of notes, um, launching that Emma Roberts collection really embedded in my mind. Um, it was, it was good times, honestly, <laughs> great mems. Only good things to say. And then when I left, well, Grace, you left to go full-time at the Stripe. But even after that, though I wasn't even sort of like with you that whole year, you were super kind to me. You introduced me to so many people when I graduated college. And I was like very nervous about coming back to New York or potentially ever getting a job. You were um, a shoe in I I felt very good about you. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. In hindsight now, it feels like weird to look back and to remember how nervous I was, like even just about the prospect of never being employed. Like, of course, eventually I would have a job. But at the time, it was terrifying. And then, Becca, you've always also been so nice to me. I slide into your DMs about (laughs) rom-com pods and books I'm reading all the time. I love
0: it.
1: I no, remember I you wrote it. me an
0: email and you were like, I don't know if I remember if you remember me. And I was like, Of course I remember you. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you said that God. to me
1: too. I
2: was like, Excuse me. I didn't want to be presumptuous
1: because I
0: do favorite you. GMU-
2: Thank you so much, but I, I, you get a lot of DMs. So like sometimes I'm like, oh man, I don't know if they know who I am, or they think I'm just like a fan crushing on them. But it made me really happy that you both did, in fact, remember who I was. Of course, of course.
0: (laughs) And we couldn't be more proud of you and what you're doing with Goldoon. It's so cool. The site is so beautiful, and as somebody who's, you know. Not as much a fan of beige things. Like you're making <laughs> sustainability look so much better.
1: You are. Thank thank you're you so putting the fun into it. Thank so you. So, in
0: the tradition of our podcast, you've earned your very own desperation minute. Please, please, please tell the people where they can find you, where they can find Goldune, what they can do
2: for you. Absolutely. Well, you can find us on Instagram at, at goldune.co. Um and you can find us on the internet at goldune.com. Goldune for what it's worth is spelled G O L D U N E, which I realize might not be clear in in the headphones, but um yeah, that's where you can find us and we do sustainability Q&As every Sunday. We're on TikTok too if that's your scene. Um and and all of the other places, Pinterest, etc., but I, I think the most the most community fun we have is really on Instagram and where if you're into sustainability or you're curious and the beige and the granola is, you know, not your vibe and you want sort of a judgment-free zone, then we might be your people and you
1: should check us out. Definitely go check them out. Thank you oh so gosh. much, Zoe. This was so helpful and it was also just fun to chat again because this is our second time doing it. <laughs> Thank you. I had so much fun. Honestly, it was amazing. I'm, gl- I'm glad that we had to do a do-over.
2: I hope that's not gauche to say, but it's how I feel.
1: Well, we need to have <laughs> you back in a year to talk about how
2: it's going. Ooh, that would be fun. I hope I'm like a whole newbie. I hope I don't live with my parents. I can't wait to check in with future <laughs> me.
1: <laughs> so let's talk about and matter. Um What are your obsessions right now? Well, let's talk about Instagram first.
0: Grace, do, do you follow mine? So mine no. is an account called Underscore underscore flower witch.
1: Why did she put those underscores? I have in
0: no there? idea. Oh my
1: God.
0: So I can't quite figure out what this is. I don't think it's a florist shop because no, there's she not says, a location.
1: Email for orders, weeklies, events, and styling.
0: Yeah, but I don't think there's like a store. Like I don't oh. think you can just like go in, but oh. I think like she will do custom floral arrangements. Oh. And it is it is only a matter of time before I splurge on one of these. These are like the coolest most beautiful flower arrangements I've ever seen. Yeah. Wow. Cool. So, I just followed her. I, I'm also super curious about who is the person behind it, but um, at least in the week that I've been following, I, like, haven't gotten any behind the scenes on the the stories or whatever.
1: I like this. I just followed what's yours? Mine is, I just pulled it up. It's called The Good Karma Blog, and her name is Carmen Meyer. And she is a smaller blogger, but she's been growing really quickly. I think she's got like 7,000 followers. But I really like her stories. I think she posts a lot of really great um, educational resources, especially around racism and the influencer community. She started um, a really great conversation a couple weeks ago and it was and it was just around she wrote why does the influencer community feel so segregated this is a real question oh i saw that yeah and it was going it was going around like crazy and um she talks about loop giveaways she's really blunt and honest and just has posted a lot of content that i think has made me think i wouldn't say differently but it's really thought provoking and um i don't know i think she's great and i thought she had like I don't know, a lot of followers because her, her contents really strong and, and also I think really important right now.
0: What about on the non-Instagram side?
1: So this is an older obsession of mine, but I just got to talk about it again for a second because I didn't have it. Um, I missed my chappy wrap so much. I did have one while I was in Charleston, but it was warmer there and it's cooler in my apartment. And I've just been snuggled under my chappy like it's on my couch right now. It's my favorite blanket. It's I It's so soft.
0: Not even – I don't think you missed the chappie wrap as much as Tyrion missed his, like, very specific yellow yeah. chappie wrap that he loves.
1: So they sent me a holiday one to Charleston, and I had it, and I ended up leaving it with my parents because I wasn't going to lug a blanket back. Um, I also – I can say this now. I left a ton of stuff there because I was like, I'll be back in three months. But – um <laughs> The yellow one is his favorite, and it's really cute because I have movie night, or or I I act like I'm entertaining. I have movie night for me and Tyrion. Last night we watched Thirteen Going on Thirty on HBO Max, and um then we watched. <laughs> something borrowed. I'm so embarrassed, but it was a good- Why are you embarrassed? That's like everyone's life right now, just hanging out with
0: their cat watching No, no.
1: It's just like maybe I could have watched something like a little bit educational. Oh, no. (laughs) Do what you need to do. That was what I needed. I had some drama in my my blog's Facebook group this week, and I just needed like something light. So I curled up under the chappie, put on 13 going on 30, and Tyrion and I just had the best night together. He's so happy to be reunited with that blanket. Um. Oh, the other obsession I have is Discovery of Witches. Um. So it came out a while ago. I You're think. talking
0: about the TV show, not yeah. the
1: book. So I read the books, loved them. Hitha, yeah. Hitha Palapu was the one who got both of us to read them, I think. And I started watching this show. I remember I had to like – it was on the BBC, I want to say. So I had to like – like find a way to like illegally I remember watch your it. My sister
0: watched it last year and she had this like very intense system that she was using to watch it and she like cuz we
1: couldn't get it here. Right. And
0: she told me and I was like that's I'm not doing that.
1: And I think I watched one episode and then it th- her system broke so I couldn't <laughs> watch it anymore. So I completely forgot about it. But then Alex texted us the other day and was like, "Uh just FYI, it's not a particularly great show, but season 2 started back up." And it is just very satisfying. It's not great, but i I really love I have like a huge, huge crush on Matthew Good. and I also really like Teresa Palmer and I love witches. so it's it's making me very happy. I'm so glad. <laughs> what are your obsessions this week?
0: Um, so I was talking right before we did our little holiday break. I was talking about needing winter footwear, like slip-on boots that I remember
1: because I told you about the blendstones I got, but they're not as warm.
0: So I ended up getting this pair of Doc Martin fleece lined boots. It's called the Leonore boots. I've seen these on you. They're cute. They're cute. And they're they're fleece lined. They slip on. They have like a um a pull on the back and so you can just pull them on and they have um it's like a Chelsea boot so they have the elasticized portion. Um, but I've really liked these and I weatherproofed them so I can like wear them in the snow and like bad weather. But I I solved my problem.
1: That's great. And I'm pretty
0: happy with my, with my solution. I love that. So yeah, here
1: we are. Here we are. What about books? Okay. So first of all, I have been on a DNFing marathon because I feel like life is just too short to read bad books. And I'm not going to call out the books that I chose to DNF, but the TBR pile is huge, so I'm just like I feel like I've started like five different books this week and be like, mm, not enjoying this.
0: I've actually been on a similar DNFing spree, and I felt very empowered by it. Yeah, like usually I feel really guilty when I DNF a book, or I feel really like on the fancy where I don't know if it's going to get good. But I have been feeling very like cleansed to just like DNF a book. So I've been DNFing a lot too, and just trying to clean out my my pile.
1: Yeah, same. So I am reading or well, I'm listening to Heavy by Kiesa Lehman. And this is like, it's really powerful. It, and his writing is exquisite. It's it's borderline poetry. And hearing him say it is even more powerful. It's all about his childhood and racism and growing up black and like his, his life experiences as well as his life experiences with being really, really overweight and suffering like from a pretty what's I haven't finished it yet, but was, what is a, appearing to me as a pretty horrible eating disorder. And I've never really read a book about a man's relationship with their weight and with food, so that's been um, a, it's excellent. I don't want to say it's like a, it's a, it's been fun to read because it's it's hard to read, but it's a great book.
0: And I know that Tracy from the Stacks Podcasts has a couple of episodes where he's a guest and I think at least one where they discuss his book.
1: I got to listen to that um, because I love her and I'm really loving this book. So that's great to know. Then I, so I've read, (laughs) I read two like read in a day thrillers this week. I read um, The End of Her by Sherry Lapina and that was recommended to me by somebody on my blog. But this is, so she wrote The Couple Next Door, which is a great little like Read in a day thriller. It's one of my it's one of the ones that like stuck with me and I loved. And this is like it's good. It's it kept me on my toes. It was fun to read. I'm not gonna say that it was one of my favorite thrillers, but it was good. It scratched okay. an itch. Then I read Um Layla by Colleen Hoover which you and I both are big Colleen Hoover fans. Where
0: does this fall in the Colleen Hoover camp? Because I feel like when you pick she up a Colleen all over Ho- the Hoover book, there's like three different directions that it could it could go.
1: Yeah, it could be like the end of – sorry, it could be like – what was the book? I think The End of Us um, – which dealt with domestic abuse and was, like, really upsetting. Well, I feel like some of them are really dark. I feel like she
0: does some YA love story ones.
1: Yeah, but they're always emotionally – Yes. Like, they're always very emotionally charged. But it might be YA. It might be more serious. It might be a thriller. Yeah. So this was a thriller. But um, it dealt with some paranormal stuff. Ooh. And I got to be honest, I read it in a day because I needed to know what happened. I felt – So I felt very frustrated with the male character because it's told through his perspective. And I was like getting furious with him throughout a lot of it. But then there's a twist and you don't feel – you don't hate him anymore. Because he's dead. He's not dead. (laughs) Um, I really – I haven't read the book, so I'm not – that's not a spoiler. That's just – I thought it was very creative and just like a new angle on something – it's not my favorite book of hers. Verity is always going to be – because Verity is like in my top 10 books of all time. Okay. But it's fun. Okay. And I I just – like so this month I always try and read like something educational and like something – I'm kind of just letting my freak flag fly with my book taste this month. Like I might not read as many like smart books as I would like to, but I'm kind of just feeling a little run down and worn out and Also emotionally all over the place between moving and politics and everything else. So my way of giving myself grace is to like ease up on the reading expectations. Yeah. Yeah. How about you?
0: I also DNF'd a few. Um, Oh, wait. And Big Magic.
1: I'm reading Big Magic. Sorry.
0: Um, I also DNF'd a few. The two that I read. So um, over the weekend, I read The Blue Bistro by
1: Ellen Hildebrand. So, you are on an Ellen Hildebrand kick.
0: Well, so the reason is so I, I read my first Ellen Hildebrand book in December, and I have never gotten more DMs um, of people telling me their favorite Ellen Hildebrand books. And I would say the most commonly mentioned one was The Blue Bistro. So I bought it. And um, it was written in 2005. So it is a little bit dated, especially in terms of like gender roles and like workplace relations. It's set in a restaurant on Nantucket and I loved the setting so much. I would say I was like I was a I was medium on the love story. Okay. I still liked it. Okay. I was medium on the love story. Um I loved the setting so much. And I think you would really like it too, just because of the the restaurant. It was in a like a fine dining restaurant oh. in Nantucket, which is you know similar-ish yeah. to Cape Cod that I think you would really enjoy it.
1: Yeah. Cool. Um,
0: so I ended up loving the book, which yeah. is so ironic because, like, the love story wasn't what was doing it for me. It was the other stuff. Yeah. And then I picked up a book, which I thought I might DNF, um, and it's Queenie by Candace Cardi Williams. Oh,
1: that's in my to-read pile. Should I, I
0: read that next? Well, Grace, oh. I don't know – I I don't know – I I haven't processed my feelings to know where I'm netting out on this book. Okay. So there was a pull quote on the book jacket that said – that compared it to a black Bridget Jones's diary. It's definitely not as light as that, I would say. Okay. But it is about a British woman. She's in her mid-20s, and she's kind of struggling her way through, like, work and relationships and life. In the first half of the book, I almost DNF'd it because she is so – Dislikable. Like she is making truly, she's just broken up with somebody who's making truly awful decisions. Oh. And I I couldn't do it and I put it down and I I'd heard such good things, so I didn't want to truly DNF it, but I was like, I can't read this right now. And then um this week I picked it up and I was like, okay, you're either gonna finish it or you're gonna DNF it once and for all and take it out of the pile. And I um I got more into it the more I read, and the second half actually has two really great plot lines, one about Black Lives Matter and one about mental health that was, like, in opposition to the the first half of the book. Yeah. I sobbed my face off in the second half of the book, too. And it wasn't even that, like – it wasn't a tearjerker. I don't – like, I had a very emotional response to the book. I I cannot decide where I'm netting out on this one. Okay. I can't decide.
1: I've heard excellent things about it, and it's in my stack, but – um. I remember because we were considering it as a book club pick mm-hmm. and you were—that's li- started, and you reading started it. it and you were not into it.
0: Yeah. So I don't know. I'm I'm still processing my feelings. And I, I read a lot of Goodread reviews after. Sometimes yeah. I'll go on Goodreads and I'll read the other people's reviews to like be like, what did other people think of yeah. this? And it seems similarly like mixed and a lot of people who like gave three star reviews and they were like, not because it's bad, but just like, I can't decide. So
1: yeah.
0: I'm, I'm kind of in that camp okay. now.
1: Okay. If you guys um, go to the Facebook group and tell us what you thought of this book.
0: Yeah. I'd be curious to hear other people's takes as well. And in the meantime, we mentioned this at the top of the episode, but next week is our book club and we are reading Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, which is a nonfiction book, which are her thoughts all about creativity and living a creative life. And as Grace mentioned, Elizabeth is coming on the podcast for a bonus episode to talk about the book, but more to talk about life in general. Yeah, you don't
1: have to have read the book to enjoy that episode, but read the book.
0: Yeah. And in the meantime, you can join our Facebook group to chat about books and more Mm -hmm. and follow us on Instagram at Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. And my other podcast, a fiction podcast, is called Romcom Pods.
1: I'm on Instagram at, at @grace_atwood, and my blog is thestripe.com. I post there nearly every day of the week.
0: See you next week. Bye. Bye.